Welcome, and thanks for checking out the Living Word Family Church Sermon Podcast. Before we get to the message, we'd like to invite you to check out Living Word Family Church if you don't already have a church home. For more information, you can check out our website at livingwordfamily.org. Good morning, Living Word Family Church. It's good to see you. <laughs> Actually, it would be good to see you if I could see you. Miss you terribly, especially since I missed last week due to quarantine. So happy to be done with that. And uh, I am going to keep it short this morning. I think I'm not trying to rip you off or anything, uh, but this really isn't nearly as much fun when you're not here. Uh, It's not as much fun doing this when we're not together. Um, You know, we've had a few opportunities over the last several months to address current issues. It's certainly been a year for those. And... uh, Most of you know I would much rather preach and teach an expository sermon than a topical one. I think it's uh, it's necessary to address certain things when they come up uh, as we walk through certain events and seasons together. But uh, I am going to talk a little bit this morning about this COVID surge and in the context of what I have been preaching about lately. What I've done lately is several sermons Uh, about uh, on the theme of battle battle plan the next battle armor up and so on and we were looking uh, at this subject by examining the reign of certain kings in the Old Testament and some of their adventures and one of the main points I hope you remember is that a characteristic of a good king like Asa and Jehoshaphat was that they sought the Lord and they instituted reforms during times of relative peace and safety and not only religious reforms like tearing down uh, monuments and idols and altars to false gods, but also uh, building up of armies and fortifying cities, preparing for battles. And what this did was it put them in a position to meet any future attack, even if they weren't uh, aiming their defenses and their, and their armaments at a particular enemy, It put them in a position to meet whatever may have come their way in the future. Uh, Unlike, for example, what we read about in Judges, uh, especially where the people of Israel were living like godless people, uh, forgetting their God, not seeking God, falling into sin, and then only remembering that they had a God when they were in times of desperation and needed him, and only crying out to him when they were in trouble. And uh, it's kind of the same with us sometimes. We don't want to be in a position where we find ourselves in a crisis and then uh, remember in desperation that we have a God who loves us, that we have a God who has made promises to us, and then we dig out our Bible and we scramble, we blow the dust off of it, and then try desperately to find a passage or a verse that somehow applies to our current situation. And we look back at Asa especially toward the end of his reign, and this is what I find, and yes, this is a little bit of review, but I'm going to uh, zero in on something in a minute and make it personal. You remember that Asa started with 10 years of peace, and uh, during that time is when he built up these defenses and instituted some religious reforms, and then came this miraculous victory over the million-man army from Ethiopia, and then there were 25 years of peace. Now, during those 25 years of peace, Asa redoubled his efforts at religious reform, uh, and he did well. Uh, and we can't read too much into it, but I can't, don't see anything uh, 
there in Second Chronicles that, that specifically mentions anything about continuing, uh, continuing to fortify these cities, continuing to maintain the army. It doesn't say he didn't, just doesn't say he did. Uh, all we know is that according to Second Chronicles 15, 19, there was no war until the 35th year of the reign of Asa. And then, of course, Basha, king of Israel, uh, in the north, lays siege to Jerusalem. And this, of course, is where Asa blows it. Instead of going out in faith to meet the enemy, trusting in God to do what he had done before, he enters into a treaty with a godless nation and ends up getting rebuked by God through the prophet. What I want to think about and look at today is that there's no indication that during these 25 years of peace and safety that Asa's heart turned from God. It looks like he remained passionate about his worship and he took seriously his role as king in looking out over the kingdom and overseeing the worship of the nation of Judah. What he didn't think about, apparently, was the enemy. James chapter 4 verse 7 says this, Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, I have preached that verse a number of times, uh, sometimes in a standalone sermon and sometimes as part of a long series on the book of James, but I always like to point out that uh, sometimes in our camp, especially, that when we read about resisting the devil, we see that as, devil, I rebuke you, I resist you in Jesus' name, I resist, I rebuke, uh, when it starts with submit to God. And I think if we focus on that always, uh, we'll find that we cannot submit to God and not resist the devil. Especially when you look at this verse and another one here in context. Let me read First uh, Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And 2 Corinthians 2.11 says we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. Now here's a great example of why I like to preach expositorily. These, these verses I just referenced are really addressing temptation, forgiveness, sin, and the like. But there is a central truth that we can apply to this situation. Ready? It's a deep one. The devil is real. The devil is real, and ignoring him doesn't make him go away. Now, I am not in the camp that believes that every single bad thing that happens is due to a demonic attack. And I do not believe our time in prayer is best served by shouting at the devil. I've been in prayer meetings where it seems like uh, there's more time being spent rebuking the devil than praising God and petitioning God and interceding. My point, uh, and this is where I get personal, is this, and it's personal about me, uh, not about you, so relax. I've shared with you the healing confession that I uh, speak over myself, and I've encouraged you to speak something similar over yourselves in your household every day. You know, thank you, Lord, that I'm healed, head to toe, front to back, side to side, inside and out. Thank you, Lord, that because of the finished work of Christ, I'm healed, I'm delivered. I'm set free from every disease, every malfunction, every disorder in every one of my bones and muscles and glands and organs and blood vessels and joints and ligaments, tendons, nerves, cells and tissues and all the space in between in my body. Thank you, Lord, for healing me. Something like that. Use that as a template and I speak it over myself daily. 
and encourage you to do that. But I want to tell you, tell you, before I tell you what I did and didn't do, I want to tell you another story about my back. I know, here we go again. It was during my first bout with sciatica, and I met with a doctor who showed me some core strengthening exercises. Uh, I, I, was, I was thankful to have a doctor who wasn't pushing a lot of drugs. He wasn't pushing surgery. Uh, he said, if you can keep your core strong, you will avoid the injuries that trigger this pain. And uh, they were very simple and very effective exercises. And here's the quote that I remember him telling me. He said this, you don't have to do them for more than a few minutes a day, but you have to do them every day, and you have to do them forever. Now, at the time, it was a no-brainer. Spend five minutes, maybe ten minutes every day doing some simple exercises and avoid another episode of crippling pain? Absolutely. And I did them. I did them faithfully for a while. Why did I ever stop? Because I stopped hurting. Not only did I stop hurting, I forgot how much it hurt to hurt. We had a guy in this church years ago named Tom Barrett, and uh, I was speaking to him at his uh, car repair shop one day, and he was telling me about something that I hadn't known about him. When he was a young man, he was involved in a horrible uh, automobile accident, uh, ejected from his car, and he was in a body cast. He'd broken nearly every bone in his body, and he had cuts and, and all sorts of uh, uh, you know, internal injuries, and he was. He was hospitalized, laid up for six months or something like that. And he said, all I can tell you is I know because of what I said and what I went through that it was the most horrifying pain I've ever experienced. He said, but God has given us a gift in that we really can't remember pain. We can remember that something hurt, but we can't recreate that pain and really understand how much it hurt even though it was us and uh i thought that's a pretty good I, I i appreciate that he sees that as a gift but on the other hand if we had the ability to recreate that pain that we've experienced just for a second we might have a little more appreciation of what we've been rescued from we might have a little more appreciation uh for what we are avoiding it might produce a higher level of diligence when it comes to being prepared for the next battle. This COVID thing, one of the reasons, one of the problems uh, is that so many people aren't sure how seriously to take it. We haven't been sure how seriously to take it from the beginning. And there are several reasons for that. I'm not going to go into them. Uh, but I have been reminding you to speak healing over yourself. Uh, protection over yourself and your household, your families, uh, one another. Meanwhile, uh, we keep the building clean. We encourage social distancing. We encourage using the hand sanitizer and so on. And man, in the early days of this thing, I always had a little bottle of hand sanitizer in my pocket, kept one in my car. If I went to the grocery store, make sure I wiped down my cart. Uh, but not lately. I just got lazy. And in fact, the medical community is saying that's part of what is behind this recent spike in cases is people just started acting like this thing went away. And we as a society uh, became less diligent and got lazy. 
And I certainly got lazy. I went through a period, even while I was preaching on being battle-ready, where I wasn't saying my healing confession every day. I'm embarrassed to say that. I was, I was enjoying my life, doing my job. I wasn't ignoring the word. I wasn't ignoring prayer. I was loving Jesus, but ignoring the enemy. Let me begin to wrap this up by emphasizing that vigilance is not fear. But fearlessness and foolishness are a dangerous mix. Don't be afraid, but be sober. Be vigilant. The weapons of our warfare are absolutely effective, and our enemy is, spiritually speaking, already under our feet. But God did give us armor. He gave us weapons, and that means there will be fighting. That means there is still an enemy, even though his fate is sealed, and even though positionally... Uh, in terms of authority, he is defeated. He does still prowl about like a roaring lion. We must be vigilant. Uh, I've been reading a couple books lately uh, about some uh, battles in Vietnam. And one of the details that keeps popping up by a particular author is, is how good leaders and well-trained men would do things like even, uh, even if they weren't in a battle, even if they weren't expecting a particular attack at a particular time, wherever they were, uh, before they would relax, before they would eat, before they would sleep, they would make sure they knew where every part of their equipment was. And if they were going to be someplace over, uh, where it was dark, they would do things like lay their magazines out, their ammunition out in a particular order, they would put their grenades up on a shelf, line them up. They would even go so far as to straighten the pins so that they would be easier to pull if they had to use them. They would pay attention to details like this. When they loaded uh, bullets into their magazine, uh, they loaded them in such a way that the last two rounds they fired, the last two rounds in the magazine, would be tracer rounds. And that way they would never be surprised when they ran out of ammo. They knew when those tracers went out that they were out and it was time to switch magazines. And these were life-saving, battle-changing decisions that they made. Because when they did this as a force of habit, uh, that way, when an enemy attack did come, they were always ready. 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. Very familiar passage. Therefore... I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, let me read that out of the New American Standard Bible. For this reason I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Now here's... There are some things in that passage that I'm seeing uh, that are really uh, exciting and worth unpacking, and I think we may move in that direction soon. But the simple truth I want to close with is that the sound mind that we want and that we all like to claim, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I speak soundness over my mind. Uh, we like to claim that as a right because God has given it to us. It's actually the result of stirring up what God has put in us. 
the discipline that we practice is the stirring up, staying on the alert, being vigilant. Again, we, we are not afraid. Don't be afraid of COVID or anything else, but be vigilant. Yes, on one side we do. We practice good hygiene, wear your mask, whatever. Uh, absolutely don't stop speaking God's healing and God's protection. This is part of our diligence. It's part of our vigilance. God offers us that protection. He has paid for our healing. Uh, but we do not experience that soundness of mind. We don't experience that peace just because we claim it. He's given us a spirit of discipline. And part of that discipline is remembering there is an enemy out there. And I'm not talking uh, about COVID. I'm not talking, I'm certainly not talking about uh, a political party. I'm talking about the devil. He really does look for an opportunity to attack and to pounce. And one of the reasons it's di difficult to make a decision like we had to this weekend, uh, to cancel a service. Uh, it's not the end of the world if we have to do this once in a while. Again, we do this uh, because of weather and other things. Uh, but the reason it, one of the reasons it's so important to gather together is it reminds us that we are a body, that we are a family. Uh, and when we are physically gathered, uh, it really drives home the point of our spiritual connectedness and unity because a lion, when it prowls, it doesn't dive into the middle of a pack. It looks for the straggler. It looks for the isolated prey, uh, the one that's vulnerable, the easy takedown. And, you, and if you uh, slip into the habit of isolating yourself and distancing yourself from the family, from the assembly, you become easier prey for the enemy. Part of our vigilance is indeed gathering, sticking together and celebrating this unity. So stir it up. That's our responsibility is to stir up what God has put in us. Not ignoring the enemy, but not... Uh, also not walking, not being so mindful of the enemy that we forget that our main purpose is, uh, again, to glorify God and enjoy him. We don't want to become devil conscious over, over being a God conscious. Let's enjoy his presence, but keep our eyes open. Remember that we are not ignorant of what the devil is up to. We are not ignorant of the fact that he is out there trying to attack us. Victory is ours, but we must employ the weapons that God has given us. You know, God offers us so much here and now. The life that Jesus described as abundant life isn't just heaven. It starts here. Even in the midst of all this turmoil, uh, COVID, uh, the election, and all the other stuff that's going on, you and I should be and can be experiencing the abundant life. But all of this abundance and all the goodness and all the joy we can derive from this life is nothing compared to what he's promised. I've reminded you today that the enemy, the devil, is real. And you know what? That's according to the Bible. The devil is real. And hell is real. But God is real. And heaven is real. God's greatest desire is for you to experience life as he designed it for you. Abundant life. Uh, life. 
glorious, everlasting life. And he offers us this life through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. All of this stuff, the ugliness of life, the, thing that, the things that uh, intrude upon our enjoyment of abundance in every, and I mean abundance of just stuff, I'm just talking about life with a capital L. The evil, sickness, war, fear, all of this is the result of sin. It is our sin that breaks our relationship with God. The relationship between God and man was broken at the fall. Jesus' death on the cross took place to pay our debt, our sin debt. The judgment that mankind deserves because of sin was poured out on Jesus so that we could be declared righteous. And now the word of God tells us that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. When you look to the cross and you say, yes, I believe Jesus died. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe he did it for me. And he is my Lord. That is salvation. That's confessing your need for a Savior and it's embracing the Savior that God has provided through God the Son, Jesus. If you'd like to make that decision, if you need to make that decision today, let me say it one more, one, one other way. If you've never made that decision, you need to make that decision. And if you need to make that decision, you should make it today. You should make it right now. I'm going to close this message out in a prayer, uh, and I'm going to include that prayer of salvation. If you'd like to pray along with it, do so. And please let us know that you did. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time together. We thank you that the unity that we enjoy as a local body and as a part of your family is very real and it's very spiritual and we absolutely celebrate and look forward to the day when we can do it uh, together physically. But meanwhile, we thank you for this moment. Thank you for this morning and this time we've been able uh, to share uh, because you've blessed us with the, uh, with the tools and the technology to do it this way. But thank you for your word and thank you for the reminder, Lord, that there is an enemy out there. Help us to never uh, let our guard down and at the same time, Lord, remind us that greater are you uh, and that you are in us and you're greater than he that's in the world. Yes, there's an enemy, but you're bigger. You've already beaten him. Uh, but remind us we still have to keep ourselves stirred up, keep our armor on, keep our weapons at the ready, and let us always be found uh, vigilant and diligently attending to the things that you've uh, placed in our lives and always prepared for the next battle. Father, I pray now for any, anybody out there who has uh, tuned in, who does not know you personally as Father, does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that you would convict them of their need to make that decision. That you would pierce their hearts, bring them to that, to that, that uh, moment right now, Lord, that today is the day of salvation. And that they would say, Lord God, I need to be saved. I am a sinner. And I look and I see that Jesus has already paid the price for my salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. 
I accept that gift of salvation. Come into my life and be my Lord. I will follow you. I will submit to you. And I declare that now I am a son of God through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for forgiving me and welcoming me into your family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want to say again, thank you for joining us. We obviously can't take up an offering at this time, but I do want to take just a moment to thank you again for your uh, faithful and generous support during this weird, weird year. Uh, I know many of you, uh, many of you in this congregation, this is a this is a congregation that takes its responsibility before God seriously in, the, in regarding the tithe and the offering. You understand that that's not your money, that's God's. Uh, the Bible says that if you're not rendering those tithes to God, that you're actually robbing him. But I'm not, uh, I'm not throwing that out there as a threat. I'm just uh, celebrating with you that we are a church that... Uh, that tithes and gives, and you, you guys have. If you are among the minority that's never made that commitment, I want to encourage you to. might seem like a weird time to start doing that. There's no better time. There's no better time uh, for, any, uh, for anything than right now when it comes to, when it comes to obeying God. So uh, you know that you can give electronically via tithely. You can mail your check to the church. You can bring it next week when we gather again. You can drop it by. Just don't forget it. Don't forget it. We appreciate your support. And I speak blessing over you as I pray over this offering. I'm going to pray over the offering now, whether you are, whether you are uh, tithing right now or whether you're writing that check or just plan to. Uh, I'm going to pray according to the word of God that you are blessed. Heavenly Father, thank you for meeting all of our needs according to your riches and glory. Thank you for meeting the needs of Living Word Family Church as a church. Thank you for meeting the needs of the members of Living Word Family Church. And we rejoice as always in the opportunity to honor you with our tithes, honor you with our offerings, and partner with you in the work that you're doing in this world. Thank you, as always, for the excellent ministries you've connected us with. Thank you for this facility, and thank you uh, for every faithful person in here. We are clinging to your word, Lord God. We give because we love you. We give because we believe in the immediate results of the gifts that we bring this morning, and we are giving expectantly, Lord, because we believe your word that says that if we obey you in the tithe, that you will open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing there is not room enough to contain, that we will be well supplied with seed and with bread. Thank you for your supply. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We will see you soon. Thanks for listening. We hope that this message encouraged and equipped you in your walk with Christ. Make sure to follow us on Facebook or Instagram to stay updated with what's going on at Living Word Family Church. Have a great day.